Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora. Our guests today are Rowan Beauty founder and CEO, Tiffany Scott, and the brand's creative director, Kate Sinat. Thank you both for being here. Hi, so glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So before we talk about the brand, I thought you could each share some details about your backgrounds and what brought you to beauty. Tiffany, let's start with you. How did you get started in the beauty industry? Mine's definitely a more roundabout way, we'll say, than Kate's. Hers is a more straightforward makeup uh, journey. It's funny when people ask because actually my journey started with nutrition. So when I was 18, I kind of was one of those idealistic kind of crazy, you know, when you're young, you're starting college, you're kind of crazy and like everything's so intense. And I just got into this like obsession obsession with nutrition. Uh, I just started studying it. I like wanted to know everything. I read this book, like The White Death, like white sugar and white flowers, like evil and you can't eat it. And I stopped eating things. I stopped eating meat. You know, we went, I went through like this journey of understanding nutrition and food Um, And then there was a moment when I moved to Los Angeles for my master's degree. And at the same time, I just kept getting um, persistent styes in my eye. And my dermatologist said to me, you know, it's probably some of the cosmetics you're using. They have a lot of, um, a lot of them have toxic ingredients in them. So you probably want to be careful. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was like, I'm so nutritious and healthy. Like, how can I not know this? So I kind of flipped and started studying and researching just for myself what was in cosmetics. And it was definitely alarming to me because I was someone who loved iconic kind of luxe brands. Um, And a lot of them, unfortunately, had a lot of toxic chemicals, cancer causing, you know, endocrine disruptors, things that are kind of major, not just kind of small. And I researched that um, 70% of what we put on our skin, you actually ingest. So I just started studying it, researching, you know, finding ways around, you know, using makeup um, that was more clean. It, it wasn't easy at the time at all to find. It was really challenging. And then as the years progressed, there was just that moment where I, I wanted more luxe, glamorous, beauty, high-performing products that were also clean. And I just thought, why don't I just do it myself? I can't seem to find it. Um, and I'd love to start, you know, a beauty company that kind of had all of these, you know, in one. So that's kind of my journey towards makeup. So then when I started Rowan, I wanted to have an artistry component, right? I'm not a makeup artist. I'm a beauty junkie, but certainly not a makeup artist. So I was lucky enough to partner with makeup artists. Um, and, you know, at, once COVID hit, I started the brand and then COVID hit, I met um, Kate Sinnott, which was really great. And she and I just hit it off very famously, and she began developing products with me. And Kate, you've worked with so many big celebrity clients, just to name a few, Kourtney Kardashian, Nicole Kidman, Emma Stone. How did you get started in your career? Oh God, I actually get asked this question all the time, and I'm like, I don't really know. It's just like, I was obsessed with um, the Mario Testino coffee table books when I was younger, and all Kate Moss and the Vogue magazines and growing up in Ireland I was always like oh my god one day I want to do like a Vogue editorial and you know do makeup like that and I always loved like hair makeup and nails and I just I went to I left school kind of early and then I got into this uh, beauty therapy college and then I was obsessed with MAC. MAC was like the thing back then that you would walk in in um in Europe the retail space is really beautiful like if you walk into like Selfridges we have a version of that in um, Ireland called Brand Thomas 
And I loved being in that space when I would go in. I'd loved being in the makeup counters. I loved how creative it was. And so I started working in Mac when I was like, I think I was like 16 or 17. I was pretty young. And from then I, from there, I basically started to just get connections for like photo shoots in Dublin. You have to do a lot of work for free. Like just, you know what you want, you know, in your head, you visualize like what you want and you kind of do whatever it takes to get there. So I did a lot of free work, a lot of editorial, especially everywhere. Editorial isn't very well paid, but especially in Ireland, you don't really get anything for it. So I just did a ton of editorial work to try and get my name out there. And then after a couple of years of doing that in Dublin, I moved to London and I had quite a good book, I thought. So I was like, well, I've done so many shoots now. Like I'm going to go to London and get an agent. It's all going to be so easy. And then I got to London and they're like, no, this is like just doesn't even, you know, this means nothing here. You have to like start again and you have to get like London editorial work. So then I went and worked in Selfridges. Uh, for a while and I met Charlotte Tilbury I started to work for her while she was um, actually the creative director for Tom Ford and then she was setting up her own makeup line and I worked for her in Selfridges and then I started to work for her backstage and that's kind of when it all my like dream came true for me really because I was able to be on I remember there was the first day that I did I was assisting Charlotte and she was uh, doing Kate Moss's makeup for a Vogue editorial and Mario Testino was shooting. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the dream. Obviously, I'm not doing the makeup, but just to be here and be one step closer to this dream. And what I learned, that was kind of like my education and my college. You know, I wasn't ready to do those things. You think you're a good makeup artist until you meet someone like Charlotte and you're like, oh, my God. And even the team of people that she works with, I just learned so much from them. So I feel like that was like my degree in makeup. And also it was great to work so closely with her. I became her second assistant and it was amazing to work so closely with her when she was setting up her brand and watching her brand grow and watching what she did with products and the things that she came out with were just, you know, so innovative and nothing like that. I didn't see anything like that before. And I think she really disrupted the beauty industry at that time. Um, So it was just a huge educational piece for me. Like I just think in business, in, you know, product development and in artistry. And I think that was like my start off where I kind of got into celebrities because then Charlotte would trust me to send me to go do, you know, some of her clients. And that's really how I got my start. And you're based in L.A. now, right? Now I'm based in L.A. I actually moved to L.A. um, after five. I lived in London for five years. So I went from Dublin. I lived in Dublin to then living in London for five years. And then I moved to L.A. with my husband and I was working for Charlotte for a year. And then after a year of working for Charlotte, I went freelance and I'm with the Wall Group now. What was that switch like from the London kind of editorial world to this world of celebrities in LA? Is it dramatically different? Yes, it is very different. Um, it's London, it's kind of chic to like not care as much, you know. I think things are a little bit different now, but back then it was a bit more kind of like understated and, you know, the fashion makeup was, if you were to do like makeup on London Fashion Week, it was very minimal skin. And, you know, like you said, I've come to, I've worked with Kourtney Kardashian. So like she was one of the first celebrities I did when I moved over here. So it was like, it's very different makeup, you know, but I think why I have clients that I have is because you just have to be able to adapt to whatever is happening, you know, and I think no matter if somebody wants like a glamorous look or they want to have like, you know, a full on eye look, everybody still wants to have beautiful skin. I think that's the one thing that does translate between like fashion and celebrity and the everyday woman. 
Um, but yeah, it is different, but it was kind of a nicer transition, obviously, because the first transition from Dublin to London was more of a grind. And then from go to London to sunny LA was just felt like a little bit of a dream. You know, it was a lot easier than the first uh, transition that I did. So, um, so I can't complain about that one. That one was the easy one for me. So I'm really grateful. So Tiffany, Rowan was launched in 2019. What sparked the idea for the brand and how long were you working on it? Yeah, so I think the initial idea really stemmed again from, you know, my experiences in nutrition and and not finding products um, that I felt there's a lot of crunchy kind of granola, you know, healthy brands. And some of them are really fabulous and I love them. But I, of course, wanted to marry the two, you know, the luxe, the glamour, kind of have a more prestigious, clean beauty line. So for me, that's kind of what, you know, what really started it. That, that's where my passion, it was probably 2017 when I, I really started. I'd already been researching for years, like I say, just kind of for myself, want, understanding ingredients, wanting to know what was in it. And I finally, in 2017, it was the time that I knew that I wanted to full on do it. Started researching actual labs to partner with and what products I thought I wanted to launch with. Of course, we only launched with eyeshadows and and a makeup brush and people thought I was crazy. They were like, what are you doing? You're starting a makeup line and you have like four shadows and a brush. Like, what are you going to do with that? Um, I'm like, well, I just think eyeshadow is one of those really tricky products. For me, one, you're putting it on your eye. So it's nice to have a clean makeup on your eye, right? It's something that's not full of toxic ingredients. But also, I thought um, eyeshadows were really intimidating for me. It was one of the most intimidating products. And I wanted to find a way to make an eyeshadow that was easy to apply, but still looked really fabulous and chic. So when I went into the lab, that was my goal. I said, look, I want to find something that's got sparkle in it. You know, not glitter, of course, because glitter is made from plastic. So we don't want to put that on our eye. And I wanted to just be easy, kind of glossy. And um, that's kind of how kind of the initial Rowan began. And when did you join, Kate? And how did you guys meet? We met in the pandemic. We're pandemic pen pals. <laughs> pandemic wives, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, God, Tiffany, when you reached out to me, I think, I wish I could remember. It's such a blur. I was introduced through a friend who said, I think um, you, Kate would be really great because I was um, I had an artist with a brand prior who had, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be a forever relationship, but it wanted to go and do a different thing during the pandemic, which I feel like, everybody during the pandemic was flipping what they were doing, moving. And it was just kind of a crazy time, right? So everything was flipped upside down during the pandemic. I was introduced to Kate and we met via Zoom initially. And I just said, look, I always want artistry to be part of this brand. And I, she, Kate had a clean philosophy on makeup, which is not always to find, easy to find with like the top, top makeup artists. And she had a major skincare background, which I was really drawn to. And so we just, we met, we had lunch, we hit it off. You can't not get along with Kate because she's just kind of like the easiest person on the planet to get along with. Um, and I said, well, let's just start creating things and maybe working together, see how it goes. And we just started working together and, and she's just so flawless in her taste. And we have very, very similar taste in things as well, which helps a lot. And, and, we just, and I, I just knew I wanted to bring her in a bigger way into the brand and to be more of like, have more of a partnership. So... Um, we just, just, it really evolved kind of like the brand evolved in this way where it wasn't set 15 years ago saying, I want a cosmetic brand. It was just, I feel like Rowan's just been this journey 
and this evolution. And it's kind of all happened in this beautiful kind of natural organic way. And tell me about the aesthetic and the creative concept. How do you come up with that? What's the process? How would you describe it? Yeah, well, I'm a very kind of um, minimalist, you know, in a way. I really love brands that kind of have a minimal. I love like logos of Celine and Celine with the when they used to have the accent, which they've taken it off. But I like I loved the sexiness of I would do kind of mood boards for myself of things like that. I love Barreto and the way they do just this beautiful minimal. That was always what I was attracted to. So for me, I knew I wanted it to just be very sexy, editorial, kind of chic line. So when we were creating like the components and it was definitely a process, I, you know, was trying to find like the most stunning material that you don't usually see. And I finally came up with a gunmetal and I just thought it photographed beautifully. It kind of had that sexy vibe and you'd and you didn't really see it. It's hard to find, you know, there's so many cosmetic brands, as you know, it's such a saturated field. What I was like, what could I do that's different? Um, and so that was really kind of where the, the appeal came from. Also, David Romer um, is part of the brand. He's, he's a, you know, a percentage partner, kind of a smaller partner in the brand. And he does all our editorial work. And we certainly could not afford him otherwise because he's so incredible so he, we're really lucky because we get that beautiful like editorial image, you know, and kind of that aesthetic that way, um, which also kind of he comes in. We have, you know, brainstorms, me, Kate and David, and we have very, very similar views on things. So it's kind of created that minimalistic, beautiful luxe feel of Rowan. Yeah, I think as well. I was actually using Rowan in my kit because you guys have gifted me, um, you know, obviously when you first um, when the brand first happened and then I was using it I think it was probably like how how long were you guys how long was it going before the pandemic happened maybe just a couple of months uh, no it probably about uh, nine months nine months yeah so I had it in my kit I was using it I was loving it I just had no idea that it was a clean brand because to me when I looked at Rowan it was so chic it was just like a very glamorous brand. The packaging was incredible. Like, you know, a sparkly eyeshadow. I was like, well, how could this possibly be clean? It just can't, you know? It never even entered my mind from the moment you see it. And I get sent all of the products under the sun. I really do. And I'm so grateful to get sent all of them. But I, you know, a lot of it I won't use in my kit because I just do have very high standards of what I'm going to use on myself and what I'm going to use on my clients. And I know straight away when a brand comes and I open the package, I'm like, okay, this looks like they're claiming to be clean. Let's look at the ingredients to see if they are. You kind of know like the vibe of a clean brand already. You've never seen a sexy clean brand. So when I got sent round, I was just like, wow, this is gorgeous. I'll keep it in my kit. And obviously I don't have a full clean kit. That's just impossible. And I need high performings over anything for red carpet. It has to be high performing or else it doesn't matter, you know? Um, and I was more obsessed with clean skincare because, you know, your skin is an organ and I just feel like putting a ton of nasty chemicals on your skin is really not going to help you age in any great way. Um, so when I met Tiffany, she really was like the mad scientist who educated me on all of this. Um, when I, she was like, no, this it, Rowan is fully clean. I was like, I, I honestly can't believe it. Um, and I'd be like, well, you know, how do we have these glittery eyeshadows? And she was like, they're not glitter. Glitter is plastic. This is a, you know, mica this amazing sparkle that we get and where they source it from and it's, you know, responsibly sourced. And it's just incredible. I think Tiffany has just educated me so much on that whole piece of like, I thought I understood clean till I met you. And then I was like, okay, this is nuts. And we do interviews all the time and people ask us like about our labs and like, okay, who was, who's the like genius in the lab? 
you know, behind all the products. And I'm like, it's actually Tiffany. I was like, she's our, our genius in the lab. You know, she researches more than anybody in the labs that we work with, really, and kind of is the one that holds that standard of the products that we want. But I think the creativeness for Rowan, like my long-winded point, is basically like it is one of the first brands that I've seen that's clean and 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 glamorous. How far has clean beauty come from its crunchy era? Like, are we totally out of that time now? You know, that's a good question. I, it, you know, it's still it's still a challenge, right? I mean, you've got people kind of like Amaris and different, um, you know, biotech companies that are really coming on the scene, which I love to follow because they're making these incredible you know, ingredients from that are they're synthetic, which people think, oh no, it's synthetic, so it's bad for you, but. Actually, not all natural ingredients, right, are good for your skin. Some of them are terrible for your skin, and not all synthetic are or are good or bad. So it, they're coming up with these biotech ingredients, like like squalane, made of you know in these labs that are actually non toxic. You know, they're great for your skin. So you know, it's amazing to see people pushing the envelope. I think that. I think it could be pushed further. It's like anything you always want it to go. Like it's like the FDA. They only ban 12 toxic ingredients. Um, and, and in Europe, they ban over 1600 toxic ingredients in cosmetics. So you're like, okay, like you just need to like keep pushing, right? I, it's there. We're finding it. And Kate and I really do the the research to find the labs that are going to make like, okay, make me the best eyeliner clean and or the best, you know, brow pencil clean. And we, so we, we really have to go around finding different labs to make yeah. each individual product. So it's, it's challenging. It's more expensive because it's not, it's still not like the norm. You would think it, so it's really still, the norm is still not, is still toxic. Um, but it definitely is inching right closer and closer. You're seeing more out there. So it's, I, it's exciting to me when I see a new clean beauty brand, people are like, oh my gosh, don't you hate all the competition? I'm like, no, I think it's amazing that we're having choices in the clean beauty world. It only reassures us, right, that we're doing the right thing because the effort that you have to put in to make it clean, first of all, finding a lab that is willing to do clean. Like we go to labs and we're like, okay, this is the products that we want to make. Okay, great. We need it to be credo clean. Straight away, it's a yes or a no. Then by the time if they are willing to do it, it's going to be a much more grueling process. So it's like when you see more brands and more clean brands coming out on the market, you're like, okay, great. We're not the only ones. It's a good sign. It would be worrying if we were you know, the only ones that would freak us out, I think more. And tell me about how you use it on your celebrity clients. Are celebrities becoming more interested in clean products? Are they requesting it more? Obviously, Kourtney Kardashian is really known for being super aware of ingredients. What are you seeing in that space? Yeah, I think they do. I think there's a reason that you know, and for Courtney, she's so well educated on clean, especially with, you know, everything. I mean, I learned a lot from her the first time I did her makeup, even like she drinks this amazing broth when she's having her makeup done. So like she is very much like healthy from the inside. And um, I think they really do care. I think all celebrities care about what's on their skin. But I think there's a massive amount of obviously Courtney is kind of the like exception because she she's very well educated on all of this. But I think that a lot of people wouldn't realize that there is a lot of chemicals in makeup. And I'm a makeup artist of how many years and I do red red carpet makeup. And when I met Tiffany, she's told me so much. I didn't know, like, for instance, even about ingredients not being reasonably sourced. I didn't know that that could be a thing where there could be child labor, you know, that are sourcing 
a sparkle ingredient that goes into an eyeshadow. So you're putting on an eyeshadow and that's you've got to do a child labor. Like I never had any idea that something like that could happen just to make an eyeshadow for somebody. Um, so I think there's just not a lot of talk about it. You have to go and dig for the information. And I think that's where me and Tiffany do love to discuss it, but we don't always want to be like Debbie Downer kind of like talking about the negative. And sometimes we just want to talk about the positive of the products and how, you know, beneficial they are and high performing, performing they are. Um, but it is, it's good to see other clean brands come out. It's good to see people talk about it as well, because it is just the educational piece of, you know, there's, um, Tiffany, you can remember, I am Slexic, so I don't remember all of these names, but there's a, like a black tar and mascaras, right? Yeah, Tiffany? it's a, it's coal black tar, which is in, it's really in most traditional mascaras, which is just such a toxic ingredient. It's really, and, and it's something that most, it's, you know, gives some of that high performance, but you, you know, there are ways around it. It's, it's trickier. Um, you know, and I think when something goes on your eye, right, you just, the thought to me of like having coal, black coal tar on my eye is just not something I really want to have. Especially for our eyes and lips and skincare, you know, we're really, that's where we're ingesting everything. Like it's just, once you start to talk about it, once you start to dig deep and really find out, or even like for women trying to get pregnant and there's hormone disruptors and everything. And it's not just your makeup, it's your body wash, it's your house cleaning products, it's your shampoo. So it's like from the minute you wake up in the morning, everything that you're doing, everything that's surrounding you, like how many chemicals. And look, me and Tiffany have tried 100 clean shampoos and I do like the Vegamore one. There is a couple of good clean shampoos out there, but sometimes you're not going to find everything clean. It's a balance. You know, it's hard to live a fully, fully clean life. But if you don't have to have it in your mascara and you can find a good mascara without it, then why would you? You definitely don't need it in lip glosses. We've found like some products, we, they come back, we take all of the nasty ingredients out, we put in skincare benefits and we get the, the product back and we think, well, that was an easy one. Why don't they just do that all the time? Then for something like mascara, it was painstaking. But, you know, sometimes it is like it, there's no need for it to be in there. And what kind of standards do you look at for selecting ingredients? Are you looking at credos requirements or how much do retailers play into how you decide on which ingredients to include? Well, I mean, because there's literally, you know, like a hundred thousand or more, you know, ingredients in cosmetics, it's, I can't, uh, you can't sit there and the names can be so long that you can't even pronounce them right. It's, it's really crazy. It's a crazy, crazy um, kind of business in terms of the cosmetic ingredients and what they do. And so I, I really just first went to the EU because I know that the, e, you know, Europeans are usually, as we know, they're always advanced in, in kind of banning things and, and, so I kind of looked at them at the very beginning. I'm like, let's just let's just go and look at what the EU does. And they ban 1,600. And then as I did my research, I, I found that, you know, Credo does ban 2,600 plus ingredients. And they're just so on top of it. They have a team that's just fierce about, you know, banning. I mean, and it's constantly evolving too, right? So, so I said to myself, it wasn't because I'm like, we need to be in Credo. It was just like, I loved their standard. So we ended up following the credo and make, and banning more than 2,600. Um, so that's kind of just how we, how I ended up, you know, landing on it. Um, and then it was really great because then credo came to us last year and said, we've been following you and, and we're really impressed with the brand, which was always flattering. And, and we ended up launching with them in August, which was exciting because I, I just love what they do. Their whole approach to beauty um, to me is, is, one to follow. And, and so it was really an exciting moment to launch there. 
Yeah. How many retailers are you in these days? I see you're in Blue Mercury and um, department stores in Credo. Did you want to talk more about your retail footprint and what you're planning for that? Yeah. You know, honestly, like we, Kate and I just really kind of discuss this. We just we want to make sure we partner with people that we're proud to partner with. I don't want to I don't want to go too fast. I kind of am like slow and steady wins the race. As you can see the product line, you know, we have, you know, about 30 SKUs. So we're we're still a really small, small line. We're highly curated. We don't put out anything that we're not obviously completely obsessed and proud of. And Kate and I are really hands-on. So we don't go into the lab and get like a pre-made. They have all these pre-made eyeshadows and they always kind of say, isn't this just easier? Just take this. And Kate and I are like, no, everything we want to do is we want it to be from scratch. We want it to be ours. We want it to be innovative. So we're, it's a slow, it's a slow process for us um, kind of from start to finish. But, you know, we, we launched, you know, Goop, we were fortunate to launch with them in the spring as well. And I, they're such a tastemaker to me. And Gwyneth Paltrow is such an icon. And, and I'm, she's someone I followed for years before Rowan, just because her, her lifestyle to me and her nutrition and what she does. And she really kind of, it, it she kind of puts that background in, in everything that she does. And I, I really just admire her. So we just kind of launch, you know, where we think it makes sense for us. We're in Colt Beauty and Harvey Nichols in the UK because I think they're just really, really on the forefront of, of beauty. And uh, for us, it's just following where it takes us and, and, you know, partnering with retailers that we're proud to be in. And as you expand into more retailers and grow, what's your approach to fundraising these days? Are you looking for VC funding or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, beauty brands, I will say before I going in, we, you know, we're a self-funded brand. I was really kind of naive to how capital intensive the beauty industry is. It's a, it's a highly competitive, highly capital intensive business. So, you know, I wanted to just I didn't doing it during the pandemic wasn't the right time, right? There's got to be that fundraising moment. So yeah, there there's a moment now where we're going to be, you know, doing our, our raise and we're getting close to actually securing that. Um, and that will kind of take us to the next level of where we want to be. Um, I, I can't really talk too much about it now, but it, it's, it's going to be an exciting moment for us um, once we kind of solidify the, the agreements. And what was it like launching a brand right before the pandemic hit? What were the challenges in that? It was awful. <laughs> awful. I mean, it was just like a dev- You know, I mean, honestly, the first thing that went to my mind is we're, we're a new beauty brand, um, you know, nine months in. And, you know, we're still, you know, still many people don't know, know of us because we're so, right, so new on the scene. And everybody's now nobody's wearing makeup. So, <laughs> and all the retailers were also shutting down. So it was like this double, like, okay, where, where do you go? What do you do in the retail world? What do you, like, what do people, you know, and I had a, and I had a, and a lip gloss that we were actually ready to launch in April, right? The pandemic hit in March and I had a, we, you know, you're all scheduled well, you know, six months in advance. So we're, we're set to launch this lip gloss, which is right. Everybody's wearing masks. So it's the last thing people wear. So everybody's telling me you're crazy if you do this launch, like you're absolutely nuts. And of course, I thought, do I hold off on the launch? What do I do? Um, but I, you know what? I what I thought. I, the reason we did it, we ended up launching, was because you know it, it's actually a, like a skincare product. It's full of. It's got you know mango seed extract. It's got grape seed oil. It's you know a hint of mint. It's like this beautiful, healthy 
lip gloss. And actually we ended up selling out of it. It's not sticky. There's zero stickiness. So people said they were literally just wearing it under their masks just to keep their lips kind of moist and nice. And it wasn't sticking. I'd have people emailing us. This is the best lip gloss. Like there's no stickiness. You can actually wear it. And we actually sold out like faster than any product and had to kind of do a reorder really quickly. Um, so, I mean, the like it could have gone so far the other way. You know, everything you do in life is kind of a gamble, but luckily it ended up kind of working out you know, in that instance. And I think people just in general, because we're clean, right, everybody became more hyper-focused on nutrition and health because the pandemic was so about sick. And, and so I think that luckily helped the brand as well. And makeup's in its comeback era now, obviously. What have you seen with that? When did you see it start to take off again in terms of what people were buying? I, I literally, we literally saw this like shift, I would say last January um, 2022, so like one year ago. Um, and the funny thing is it was still, Omnicrom was still kind of happening because if you can remember Omnicrom like that December before I had become, so I didn't expect it to all of a sudden come back, but it, I think people were just over it at that point because we saw this like huge kind of increase with our retailers in sales and a big lift back to kind of all the products. I felt like it was like something like a veil lifted off and everybody was feeling like, okay, we're over this. So we kind of actually saw, like physically saw this big increase and it kind of hasn't stopped since, which has been really exciting. And then in terms of driving visibility for the brand, especially as a new startup, what role do the celebrities play? Has that helped drive sales a lot? Have there been a lot of products associated with celebrities wearing them? What do you think? I mean, there's no question, like the celebrities always a big thing, right? We just, Hailey Bieber, um, you know, recently just posted a, a video on Vogue organically doing like her date night look and she used, you know, the Mood Forever palette. Um, we've got, you know, a lot of Kate's, you know, clients who wear, you know, the products on the red carpet. Um, you know, Nicole Kidman just had a beautiful look where she had, you know, our highlighter stick, our elixir face oil and, you know, some other products. You know, of course, people look to celebrities to, you know, what they want to do. So it definitely has an impact and has been really, you know, we've been fortunate to have that. It has to be organic, right? That's the thing. It's like, that's what we've noticed the most. Like I had one of my clients, um, Kristen Cavallari, who's such like, she's an amazing woman, amazing businesswoman and just really kind. And she posted uh, the Gold Lust palette because she just loves the Gold Lust palette. And like, literally, like it was, clearly not a paid post and I think that's when it works really really well um and she was just doing her makeup she was away on holidays and it was just a quick insta story of her and I don't know we got like insane amount of um sales we got an insane amount of dms of people being like what else is on her face I'm like I don't know I'm not with her but I think it's when it's organic you know I think you can as a brand you could throw a lot of money at celebrities using your product but it doesn't always equal into sales and I think we've just been really lucky that you know, me and Tiffany don't do that. It's like, you know, if we have a chance to gift a celebrity, of course, we would love them to know about Rowan. If I'm doing their makeup, I'm always going to be using Rowan on them and telling them about the product. And, you know, if they want to then do something with that, or, you know, if they want to mention it themselves, but it's like, it is very much just, it works when it's organic because people know these days, you know, I know myself in social media, like we can tell now what's an ad and what's not an ad, you know? So I think that's why it's done so well and been so well received is because it's genuine love for the product. Which celebrity has given the biggest boost? 
Probably Haley Bieber. I would say Haley Bieber, definitely. You know, she just has, she's such a, she's such a force, let's face it. Like she's just such a social media and just a force in general. I think people just respect what she does. And she's a trendsetter. She's yeah. a total trendsetter. And, and, you know, obviously to have her organically post something, like Kate said, people, people just know. We just don't do the paid uh, route because I just think it's, uh, to me, the organic part of the branding, the authenticity of the brand is what I, I think is really resonates the most. So yeah, I would say that was probably a bit, one of the biggest moments. And what about influencers? Do you work with influencers? Yes, we, you know, we, we, you know, we gift, we, you know, we don't do any, we don't really have any paid partnerships with influencers. Occasionally when we have a launch, we'll do a couple like paid um, tutorial videos. I really like to focus more on micro influencers because I just think, again, there's a real authenticity to just the real girl. And that's part of when I started Rowan. I love the glamour. I love the celebrity, but I also think the real girl resonates with people so much. So I like to find the balance of, of that. And so we'll, that's probably the most that we do in terms of partnerships. And do you have a target customer in mind, like a specific age range? You know what? That's what I love about the brand because I think, you know, in business, they always want you like you'll have a business model and they'll be like, what's your target audience? And for me, you know, when I was doing the business plan, I was like, look, to me, the target truly is everybody, all ages, all ages, all ethnicities, all sexes. What I love about the brand is it's so multifaceted. So like if you want luxe, we've got the luxe aspect. If you want clean or you just want the cool girl editorial vibe or it's like you're like cruelty-free vegan, that's really important to you. But I really think the interesting part of the brand is it touches on so many different categories that it really spans a really wide net. Um, And I think that's what's really exciting. Men, we have an incredible following of men for our face oil. They are obsessed which I don't think we were, that wasn't something we thought, you know, was going to happen um, because it is, we started with so much glamour and so much makeup and you go onto the site, but like men are absolutely obsessed with the face oil. And I think the reason they're obsessed with it is the same reason that women love it. I love our face oil because one, the ingredients are so credible. It hydrates your skin, it nourishes your skin. But like with all of the things that you want a face oil to do, I was saying to Tiffany, like it needs to be able to be a good base for foundation. There's no point having all these ingredients, putting a face oil on, and then I'm left with like a greasy face and I can't put my makeup on and run out the door. You know, so I was like, that's something that I'll probably use at nighttime. I was like, I need a face oil that I can use there and then that penetrates into my skin. That's, you know, not leaving me with any sort of weird residue on the skin. And that's a beautiful base for makeup. And so that was really what we had in mind for the face oil when we, we're making it and then I think that residue like the fact that it like blends so beautifully into your skin men love that because they don't want to look like they have any product on their skin even if it is moisturizer so sometimes it's like you have something in mind and you're like women are going to love this you're like oh more people are loving this men are loving it too great so yeah it is for everyone I have to say yeah tell me about the product assortment so you launched initially with eyeshadow you have a whole range of makeup now. You have a face oil. How do you develop um, the products and how do you choose what areas to go into next? Yeah, I think, you know, for I think for us, really, for Kate and I, product development, um, you know, we kind of were constantly brainstorming, right? What products do people want? What people, what's trending? 
What's, you know, what are the consumers asking for? So for us, we're just constantly, like we're, we're together all the time. We're talking all the time. So it's really just right that constant brainstorming. And then we, you know, land on the products we want to develop um, and that we just think are going to be right, beautiful, you know, addition to the line. And then we find the lab. Then we research the lab that's honestly clean and best to, to create, help us create that specific product. A lot of our products are created in Los Angeles, which I love because then it's easy for us to meet with the chemists, which I love to do, even though they don't always love that I stop by. They're kind of like a little bit annoyed but because um, I, I spend hours and I'm like, what's this? What's that? Um, but, you know, like our Vow Brow, we, we made in Europe because, frankly, that it's just the best brow maker in the world. And, it, you know, to make it clean is not easy. So it, for us, it's just coming up with a product we know that's going to be good for the consumer, that we want to add to the line, and then just relentlessly formulating, you know, the process is essentially going to the lab, telling them what we want. I research the ingredients that I know I want to add in, right? Because I always want to add healthy things in. And Kate will have her, hey, what about this? What about that? Because she's actually very savvy with ingredients as well. So sometimes they say, look, that ingredient doesn't is not compatible with this. It's just not going to happen. So you kind of have to go back and go, okay, got it. And then figure out, you know, the ingredients you want that are compatible with that. And then you just kind of take out the bad ingredients. Kate and I always say like, look, let's just take out the bad ingredients, put in really healthy nourishing ingredients and make sure it's high performing. So that's our, our list. And then, it, you know, sometimes we have a product that we just, we think we're going to d- develop and launch the next year. And it just simply doesn't happen because we're just not happy. So I'll just scratch yeah. the whole project, right? And we'll just say, look, we need to revisit this. This is not perfect. We're not going to put it out there. Hence why we don't have complexion yet because it is really difficult to get that high performing foundation you know to get that luxury silky feel without any of those like you know harmful chemicals that make it happen so it is painstaking and you know we always say as well like me and Tiffany we're like okay like what is that one product that when it's in your makeup bag you really miss it you know and there's always a concealer that you can't live without there's a foundation a mascara I think at one skincare product so I think every product that we make for our own, we want to make sure that you really miss it. That like, after you've used it up, you're like, God, what's different. And you're like, Oh my God, I need my face oil back. That's what it was, you know? Um, or I need that mascara back in my life. And it's like, it's not just, we're never going to bring out like a palette of 16 eyeshadows and then discontinue and then do the next thing. It's more about like those ride or die products that you can't live without rather than constantly just giving you new fluff that you, you know, will get bored of in, you know, a week. And had you always planned on going into skincare with the brand? Well, I always knew I wanted to do a face oil because I w- I've been a face oil junkie forever. I actually used to just get products at Whole Foods. Like I, I knew rose, I've known about rosehip oil for ages and ages. I, it was, it's honestly one of the most beautiful ingredients. It's been around for so many years. It's not like it's a new innovative ingredient, it, but I, it's just so incredible, the benefits um, and I used to just go and take um, and make my own little concoctions. My husband was like, what are, would always be like, what are you doing? I'd have these weird little bottles. I'd have like, so I knew I wanted a face oil. And then Kate, when we met, she was like, I'm obsessed with face oils. I'm like, okay, I just feel like Rowan is all about glow and health. And it just felt really natural. I don't know if we're going to go into a big skincare line, but I just knew that like, you know, your products are going to go on with a beautiful, healthy skin, right? It all starts I there. I think we will. We will. Yeah. Rome will have many skincare products. Definitely. Not tomorrow, not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but I think it will. I think it will develop into, you know, because there's so many beautiful products that you can use that again, will go with your makeup. And then it's like, 
you know, I just, I think it will happen. Yeah. We kind of just go with the flow. So it's like, I knew the face oil needed to happen. I, I just, you have that healthy glow. And so I think you're right. I think it's just, it's, it's kind of for us, it's a methodical process of just what, what's next? What do we need? We don't have this big, you know, group of people, a team telling us, okay, here's your five and 10 year development follow process. These rules. Yeah. We're definitely not following the rules. Tiffany, you're definitely not following the rules. You wanted a face oil team made when it wasn't like, oh my God, but I don't have a foundation. No, people said you shouldn't do face oil yet. There were many people who said like, just look, don't do the face oil yet. You, you know, you should grow the other parts. And I'm like, look, I just know that it needs to be a part of the line. And, you know, to much success, I'm, which, you know, I'm so glad that we did. It's one of, you know, our favorite products and a lot of customers' favorite products now. So you just kind of sometimes breaking the rules. And it just won an award as well. So every time one of our products wins an award, we're like, oh my, you know, it's just so satisfying because you're like, okay, they get it. It is amazing because you do put so much love into the products. Yeah. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you have planned for the coming year. What are you looking at for your product lineup? What's in the pipeline? Oh, so many exciting things. Um, Obviously, like Kate said, we're, you know, we're working on complexion. That's something we've been working on already for over a year. It's something, you know, you know, we're not going to put out until we're totally happy. Um, But I think you can definitely look, look for complexion coming out with Rowan. It's going to be epic and something we're incredibly proud of. So I'm excited for that. We, we do have a new product coming out um, in March. I will tease a little. It's definitely an eye product as well. It's something that goes so well with the palettes and the mascara. It's something I am dying to um, launch that's going to be coming out in March. So we've got new products coming out there. I do have, um, you know, something, you know, powders or something that, you know, look to be coming out. Um, for us, it won't be something like a basic you know, matte powder for everything for us is always going to have a little bit more of a glow, like a healthy, you know, version to it. So everything we do is just a little bit more geared to more of the health, the glow, the healthy skin vibe. So it will be different than any, anything you've seen before. And what are your priorities for expansion overall in the rest of the year? Are you looking at more retail partners? What do you have planned? You know, I just feel like I just want to focus on the partnerships that we have where, you know, we're expanding into now all credos um, to, you know, we've, the success has been really great. The partnership has been really great. So um, Q1, we have another really exciting launch coming in Q2 of a partnership that I'm not allowed to say yet, but that's also a really, really beautiful, clean, well-known beauty uh, retailer in the U.S. Um, and abroad. So that's happening in Q2. But I just really want to focus on what we have. I've always said to myself, look, I just feel like we need to focus um, on what we have and be grateful for that. And just, you know, as we go along, move along, try and make the right decisions um, as we can. But excited about who we've partnered with. Um, and, and, you know, like I mentioned, Goop. I'm really excited. Moda Operande we just launched with. And I'm, I'm obsessed with Moda Operande. So, uh, Revolve is one of our favorites because they're just so, they've just got, they're such trendsetters. So I feel like we're just really positioned well and and really right for Rowan. Great. Well, we look forward to seeing what's in store and thank you both for being here. This has been great. Oh, so lovely to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So nice to meet you. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts 
or wherever you're listening. See you next week.